0: Good morning, church. Thank you. Nice response. Good morning, all of those who are joining us online. My name is Chandra Stiles. I work here as a youth and young adults pastor, and I'm thankful to get to share with you this morning. Today, we're going to continue on in our series, Faithful, talking about God's faithfulness in moments of pressure and our response. When he provides or comes through when there's no way out, And when he invites us to be active participants in seeing his faithfulness come to fruition. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to gather. Whether we're here in this room right now, whether we're watching online, live, or later, Lord, would your presence just surround us this morning as we worship, as we pray, as we listen, as we learn, as we hear your word, as we walk in communion with one another, God, would you just be near to us? Lord, as we continue to look at stories of your faithfulness, God, I pray that this morning, that whatever we're carrying into this morning, Lord, that you would um, show us your presence in those circumstances, whether they're circumstances of great joy or of deep pain. God, would you let us know you are there, you are with us, that you're for us, not against us, and that you are fighting for us. Yeah, Lord, as we read your word this morning, pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help us learn and understand, and Jesus, that we would see you alive and at work in us and through us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Have you ever had a moment where you thought, the only way that I can get out of this situation is if the impossible happens? Or, you know, for this to actually work out, I need nothing short of a miracle, Maybe you are walking through something really significant like a financial crisis for your household or your business, or the sickness of a loved one, or the need to immediately move out of an unsafe situation to a safer one. Or maybe it's a situation that feels less critical, but still very important, like the movement in a dysfunctional or conflicted relationship, or overcoming a season that feels busy or stressful, or figuring out all that's needed to make a major change in your life, like moving away to school or getting a new job. Whatever it was, it felt like there was just obstacles in your way that you could not get around and that you needed divine intervention. As followers of Jesus, we're often encouraged in those times to trust in the character of God as one who provides, cares for, protects, saves, and makes a way for us. In my life, when I faced some of those hard and dire situations, people have come alongside me and and tried to comfort me or encourage me with phrases like, you know, if God leads you to it, then he'll lead you through it. Or, you know, God pays his bills on time. Or just keep praying and you'll see something happen. Or I've been encouraged to sing songs, much like the songs we sang this morning, where we declare who God is, how he fights for us, and how he's for us. Songs that say that he's a way maker or a miracle worker, a promise keeper. We sing these things out to help us believe that they're true, but to proclaim that that's who God is. I believe there are elements of truth in all of those sentiments. They are true and real. But sometimes those sound bites can lead us to disappointment. When all of a sudden it's all on God and not on us at all, or when we say these things over and over again and then we don't, see God being that person, we're often left with questions or disillusionment or even just the feeling like God's not there at all. We ask, does God see me? Is he for me? Does he care? It can feel like his promises are not for us. Today we're going to look at a story where God is faithful, where he made a promise to his people and he followed through on it in a miraculous way where he made a way where there was no way, and he delivered a people who were oppressed by inviting them to participate in his plan of redemption, of freedom. We're going to ask ourselves, in light of seeing God in this story, how can we respond to God's faithfulness in the pressure? When we're in a place where we need God to be who he says he is, what is our role to actively participate in that? Today, we are looking at the story of Moses parting the Red Sea from Exodus 14. Now, as we've been walking through this teaching series, we've been walking through the book of Exodus, and this is the story of God's people before Jesus was ever on the earth. This is the story of the Israelites. And in this story, they begin enslaved by Pharaoh, the Egyptian leader, in Egypt, And through God's provision, they're released into freedom, and Pharaoh lets them go. The Israelites leave as free people and begin to walk to their promised land of freedom. And they're celebrating this. They're telling each other about how good God is and how they'll pass this story on from generation to generation. And as they're leaving their land of enslavement, God displays his power by leading them with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And instead of leading them on a short path directly to their destination, he begins to take them on a longer path through the wilderness and towards what we call the Red Sea. So this is where we'll start today in Exodus 14 the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. Now, some of you may be very familiar with this story. Maybe others have never heard of it. Maybe if you're familiar, you immediately have like images coming to mind, maybe a storybook from when you were a kid or from the movies like Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, the old movie from way back in the day. Or maybe you're like me and you were taught this story through a campfire song at camp that goes, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Whoa, baby, let my people go. No takers, hey? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We sing our theology. That's how I learned it. Um, Regardless of how you may know it, or even if you don't, I invite you this morning to look for something new in it. As we listen, to just pay attention to the way God's asking you to see him and yourself in a new way. So if you'd like to turn there in in your Bibles, if you have them, feel free. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm not going to read it. So we pick up on the story while Moses and this massive group of Israelite people are walking. They're wandering. And God tells Moses where to go and where to set up camp. And God prepares him for the fact that Pharaoh is going to come and chase after them. That they're not totally free, but that they're going to be under attack. But God promises that he will display his glory through the whole ordeal so that the Egyptians would know he's the Lord. So when Pharaoh hears that the Israelites have fled and have left, Pharaoh regrets his decision to let them go, and he harnesses up his troops, and he goes to chase after them, and he finds them at their camp. And the people of Israel, they in the camp. They see this, and they get panicked. Wait a minute. We we're supposed to be free, and now we're going to be under attack. So they begin to cry out to God in fear and questioning. They're like, God, why did you let us go? out of the land of Egypt, just to die in the wilderness. So Moses steps in as a leader to reassure them that God will fight for them. He speaks words of who God is and what God will do for them. And then the Lord responds and says, why are you crying? Get on the move. You have some things to do. So the Lord gives instructions to Moses to raise up his staff so they're at the edge of the Red Sea. He says, go to the sea, raise up your staff, And when you strike it onto the shore, the waters will part and you can lead the people to walk through to safety. And when the Egyptians came up behind them, um, God moved that pillar of cloud between them and turned it into a pillar of fire. So they'd be separate. They were able to take rest for the night before the morning came. And so now comes time for this miracle to happen. Where all of a sudden the Egyptians are coming so near and Moses needs to lead his people to freedom, to free them from the oppression that is on their heels. And so with a strong wind that blew all night, dry land was exposed and shored up on each side were these walls of water, but the Israelites were allowed to walk on the dry land across the sea to freedom. And then Moses turns around and raises his hand again And God says, raise your hand so that the waters will close up. And as the Egyptian army is in the middle of that dry land, and as Moses raised his hand, God kind of spins them into confusion, and he makes all of their chariots not work right, and they can't escape, and they can't chase forward. And then the waters rush back together and close in. And all of the Egyptians were swept into the water without a single one surviving. And when the Israelites looked back and saw the end of their oppressors, they knew that God had delivered them from their enemies. They were filled with awe, and they put their trust in both God and Moses. God's people were in trouble. They were in need of deliverance, and he promised to save them. And then he did. This became an anchor point for the Israelites. This was an anthem for God's faithfulness to them. They often would tell stories from generation to generation of how God brought them through the sea in times of impasse or difficulty under pressure that God would come through to make a way where there was no way. Now, when I read a story like this, I just think, oh, this sounds so nice. I would love this God who constantly parts waters for me to walk across on dry land so that I can get to the other side of all the difficulty that I'm walking through. It can be tempting for us to claim this story as a promise to all of us for all time. That God did this for them, so he will always do this for me. But that can actually be problematic. Because the reality of this story and the reality of our lives don't often equate or add up. And we can often be left with questions that feel too big. What happens when I believe God would deliver me or other people and that doesn't actually happen? We've seen that. I know you have seen that. You have seen times where you have prayed for God to save someone or yourself from a situation that didn't happen the way you thought it would. We've seen people not be delivered from their enemies. We are seeing that right now in our world, in Ukraine. We are watching as enemies are overtaking. We can also ask questions like, why does this plan have to be successful by other people dying? Why does one people live and one people die? Couldn't God have made a way where all people could have seen him and known him and turned to him and there would have to be no death? You know, sometimes stories like this can offer more questions than answers. And sometimes it can be so easy to just kind of want to take the simple essence of it and be like, you know what? I got it. We're good. And God's always going to do this for me. But I think we have to look deeper. We have to ask more questions. Because we do know that God is a faithful God. We believe that and we trust that. But what does that mean for us to be faithful to him in response to his activity in our lives? How can we respond to God's faithfulness in pressure even when it doesn't look the way we think it would? How can we trust that God is a faithful God who invites us into his faithful plans for not only us but the world around us? How can we be active participants in the way that he is making a way for the liberation and freedom of others and ourselves? Let's look at some way this plays out in the text. At the beginning of the story, we see that there had to be a sense of trust in following God even when the path didn't make sense. In verses 3 and 4, God is, is telling them why he's been leading them on this path that's not directly to the promised land, but instead is kind of this zigzag, even though they don't know the end goal yet. God says to them, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused, that they're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. And after this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites camped as they were told. Sometimes, as we are trusting in God's faithfulness, we need to trust where he is leading us, even if it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't seem practical or pleasant, or maybe even if it's not the way that people have done it before. Not the way that our parents or our grandparents followed God, or even not the way that the structures around us, our our church or faith communities, have done it before. We need to trust that we are filled with the Holy Spirit who teaches us and leads us, that with community around us, we can talk and discern together and we can hear the voice of God and follow faithfully in his footsteps, even if it's a different road than we thought we'd take or it leads to a different direction than we thought we'd have. Sometimes we have to step forward before we even know the outcome. And I know that can seem so foolish. It's like, if we're going to make decisions without knowing the outcome, like that can lead to so many variables. Sometimes we just have to open our hands and let go of those plans and say, God, I trust you. Where might God be leading you right now? That doesn't make sense. What do you need to do to follow him there? How can you invite others around you to support you in that? Just because we are faithful to going where God is leading does not mean that it will be easy. It means often that there's more obstacles that come before we see the fruition of his faithfulness. So sometimes when it gets hard, we need to stop and let ourselves be honest with God about how difficult that journey feels, how desperate we are, how it doesn't make sense, how we need to see him. The Israelites do this in verses 10 and 12. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. The Israelites were not scared (laughs) to be honest with God. They saw the impossibleness of their situation. They felt the impending doom of their potential demise. And so they just called out to God with whatever honest words they had. They spoke to Moses to tell them how scared they really were. They longed for the place that enslaved them, the place that they hated just a a few short days ago. Because to them it was less unknown than the fate that they were facing. In their humanness, they resorted to what they knew instead of what they couldn't see. And they longed to go back to a life of oppression. Now, for some of you, you may easily identify with the Israelites. You may be in places where you're unsure of what God is doing, and you're just like, God, i got to be real with you. i got to tell you what this feels like. Maybe for others, that's actually something that's really hard for you. You know, you see it as grumbling or complaining and you're like, you know what, we just need to suck it up and get over it. Put on a better attitude and get to work. Or maybe for others, there's a sense of wishing that you could be honest with God or with people around you, but you feel like you have to keep it all together or say all the right things all the time. We could call their cries a lack of faith or a lack of trust or an expression of humanity, but regardless, they chose to cry out to God and to their leader. They vocalize their fear, and they ask God, where are you? They express their pain and their lament and their uncertainty in an intimate connection with their creator. They chose to allow their honesty to lead them to openness to God's leading. Now, often, our honesty in those difficult times can actually just lead us to bitterness, can lead us to gossip or grumbling that just keeps us in a spiral of negativity, But when we allow ourselves to lament, to take time to let God know that we're scared and that we need him, but then we open our hearts and our hands and say, but Lord, I trust you. I'm looking for you. Then often he meets us in that place of vulnerability and he leads us forward. How may being honest with God actually move you to be more connected to him and trusting him more in times of pressure right now? Where may you need to be vulnerable with him and those around you. As we continue on, in response to these cries, Moses steps up and takes the lead. And in boldness, he reminds them, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moses hears their cries, and he redirects their fear towards trusting who God is. He speaks to them with bold words of the truth that they don't need to fear, that God will rescue them as he promised, and that he'll fight for them. As a good leader, he reminds them of who God is and what God does. We often need to do the same. We often need to remind one another of who God is and what he does. Maybe that means we need to go back to those scriptures or the songs that talk about the character of God and read them and sing them over and over until our heart moves from a place of fear to trust. Or we need to ask others in our lives to remind us of how God has worked in their life or our life. We need to tell the stories and go back to the places where he met us. We need to go back to the times in our lives where we've seen God's faithfulness and trust that he will be faithful again, even if it looks different than we anticipate. During SOAR a couple weeks ago, our worship leader, Claire, often reminded us that we sing songs of worship to remember God's character, who he is, and to know that we're not alone, that we are pursuing him together. This is what happens when we remind one another of the truth of who God is. When we are truth speakers about the nature of God to both ourselves and others, we remind ourselves of the power that he has over the the powers of this world how can you remind yourself of who God is and what he does in this season who can be a truth teller for you who can you seek out to remind you these things and who could you be a truth teller for so right after Moses gives this bold address to his people God gets a little bit cheeky which I appreciate and God's like why are you crying out to me Tell the people to get moving, which is after my own heart. I'm a little bit action-oriented, so I like this part. But God's like, it's all well and good. You've cried out, I've heard you, but get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. God's like, thanks for chatting. Loved it. Thanks so much for your honesty, but let's reorient to action. And he calls for prayer with action. He says, it's good that you're honest with me, but now I need you to move. You know, we're all built in different ways. Some of us are, are very quick to pause and to pray when we, fe- when we face adversity, but others of us want to jump to action. I myself am more of an action-oriented person. I'm like, let's do something now. Let's move forward. Let's let's conquer this. But I'm always thankful for the people in my life who remind me to pause and pray. People like our missions pastor, Marianne Berg, who have always been like, before we do anything, can we just take a moment to pray about this? And I love that. I love that that's the beauty of the, the body of God, that there can be people who pause us and people who push us forward. And in this moment, God's like, Pray on the way. Get going. There's some action I need you to take part in. A Baptist preacher from the late 1800s named Charles Spurgeon says, there's a time for praying, but there's also a time for holy activity. Prayer is adapted for almost every season, yet not prayer alone, for there comes every now and then a time when prayer, even prayer, must take a secondary place. There's time for prayer and a time for holy activity. And sometimes there's a time to mix them both. Right now, our church is in a season of prayer. We've been hearing about these prayer triads, this invitation to stop and pray with a couple other people from our congregation and to ask God, where are you leading us? And how can we follow you? And after we pray, we'll be sparked to action. There will be a holy activity that we're invited into. And hopefully, as a congregation, we can be excited about the way we can participate in how God's leading us forward. So, this is a plug for prayer triads. If you haven't joined one yet, you can still sign up. This is part of how God is leading us in this season. So as we look towards the end of the story, the Israelites' holy action was for Moses to listen to God's instruction to lead his people in their liberation and deliverance and to close up the waters so as to expel the evil oppression that the Egyptians were incurring. And he invited them to join, God invited him, them to join with him in his justice by freeing what was oppressed. By walking across the dry land and getting to the other side, Now, letting the waters swallow up the Egyptians, God was not just saving one people group from another, but he was saying, I am a God who wants to free those who are oppressed from evil, evil oppressors. And God states that that's what his character is. The last verse of this story says, when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Through Moses' obedience, through Israel's obedience, liberation from oppression was fulfilled. The Israelites were able to participate in God's character of one who brings brokenness into wholeness again. God invites us to participate in the ways that he is faithfully bringing liberation in the world around us. You know, often we read this story and we can place ourselves in the role of the Israelites, you know, we can say we are God's people and therefore in this story, we're like them and we're just like them and we're always facing obstacles and and especially obstacles to participate in our faith and that God's always going to free us from those. You know, we're always facing hardship and we expect that God will deliver us from our hardships or anyways, just the way that he delivered the Israelites. We think God promises to deliver them, so God promise, God will promise to deliver me. But I don't know if that's necessarily the the best way to interpret this text fully because God promised Israel in this situation that he would make a way for them and display his glory. And this was a foreshadowing and a preparation for the ultimate liberation and freedom that would eventually come through Jesus, that God would make a way where there was no way for all to be free from sin and oppression of evil through Jesus' life and death and resurrection. That this story would prepare us for communion with Christ, that Christ would fulfill it. But this isn't necessarily a a promise that means that anytime we feel oppressed or anytime that we feel like we have an enemy, that God will immediately free us from that. But instead, it's showing his greater character that he is a God who frees those who are oppressed and that we can faithfully participate in that with him. He does promise to never leave us or forsake us. He promises to be our shelter and our refuge in hard hard times. And he promises to one day make all things new again through Jesus' return. So how can we shift our relationship with this text from just seeing us as the Israelites or seeing the Israelites and Egyptians against each other and more so seeing the principle behind God's plan? that in this story, if, if dry land represents liberation from oppression, and if the closing of the sea represents God's justice, then what in the world around us needs to be freed? And what may need to be drowned? And how do we participate in that? Where might there be injustice around you? What are the areas of oppression that you see around you today? And how might God be inviting you to participate in the act of freedom, restoration, or redemption in those situations? What might he be asking you to do or to say? Ways to give or to pray, things to to show up for, ways to vote that are actively assisting him in bringing liberation to his children here on earth. Where might there be injustice within you, within me? What systems or structures do we participate in that actually perpetuate injustice and harm and oppression? Where might there be a mindset in ourselves or a worldview or a choice that may actually just need to drown in the waters to be done away with so that God's action of liberation and freedom could be realized in the world around us? So that the gospel would be good news, not only for our eternity, but could be lived out now. The good news of Jesus Christ on earth as it is in heaven. How can we actively participate in the freedom that Jesus is bringing, not only for eternity, but for right now? As the worship team comes up to lead us in a few more songs, I just want to leave you with a few questions to, to pray through or to ponder as we wrap up this test, te- this text. First of all, what do we need to do to trust that God, that where God is leading us is good? Who might you need to invite to be a truth teller in your life right now to remind you that God has you, that is leading you on a path that can lead to good places? Who might you need to pray with or open up with to see more of where God is active in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't think that God is leading me to a good place I don't see where he's at work and you feel on the brink of hopelessness and if that's you this morning I want to tell you that Jesus is here and he is good and he loves you and he is for you and he wants you to know him and so hold on to whatever sliver of of hope and knowledge of that that you have to continue to see him in your life What actions may need to be partnered with prayers in our life right now? Where do we actually need to move from prayer to activeness, even if that action feels a little bit um, new or different or uncomfortable? And how can we do that? How can we actively participate in the liberation that God is bringing about within us and in the world around us? And especially as we think of the conflict in Ukraine right now, we can feel so helpless being so far away. How can we partner prayerfully, financially, or in in advocacy for the people who are being, um, just experiencing such terrible things in Ukraine. We do have some links on our website, as well as in the discussion guide for this week, where you can um, see ways to pray and give through partners like Multiply and MCC. And there's tons of other aid organizations that are contributing right now. Um, How might God be moving you to participate actively in what's going on in Ukraine from here? Let us pray together. God, you are faithful. And God, we see your faithfulness actively in the story of the parting of the Red Sea. God, you promised your people that you would save them. And you did. Lord, you showed us that you are a God who cares about power structures and the oppressed and liberating them from their oppression that cares about extinguishing evil so good can win. And so we trust you, Lord, that you are that God that is at work in our world right now. Lord, I pray for those who feel like they are facing situations that it is so hard to see your faithfulness in. I ask, Lord, that you would make yourself known to them, that you would bring people around them, God, to just refocus their eyes on you, that you'd bring people around them to help them move towards the the liberation that you want for them, that you want them, Lord, to experience freedom in you. God, I pray that you would teach us when to pray and when to act and when to do both. That you would lead us, Lord, to be people who are consistently listening for your voice and then moving with your instruction. And God, would you help us be active participants in the way that you are bringing broken things to wholeness in our world right now. Lord, we pray for our siblings in Ukraine and just the, the things that they are experiencing on a daily basis. God, would you be near to them? Lord, it feels difficult to find words to ask for your intervention and so God, I just say we trust you and we need you. God, would your spirit just bring peace? Lord, would you um, would you intervene in ways that are miraculous, God? Would you intervene in ways that don't make sense but yet are just so evident of who you are and and the fact that you are the prince of peace? We pray for leaders who are making decisions, God, that Hearts and minds would be changed and turned to you, and God, peace would reign. And just, we beg you of that, Lord. We pray, God, for those who are scared and fleeing. Lord, we thank you for so many who have opened their homes to refugees. We just pray for more generosity, more openness, God, that they would just be received with love and safety. We need you, Jesus. So as we worship God, as we sing words about you doing great things, may our hearts truly believe those things this morning. May they be the cry of, our, of the deepest parts of our heart and soul. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.